Thank you for choosing this podcast for the BJSM community. My name is Daniel Friedman, and I'm a member of the BJSM editorial team. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Professor Fiona Bull, the mastermind behind the WHO's Global Action Plan on Physical Activity that was recently launched internationally in Portugal. Professor Bull, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. I'd like to start by asking you what exactly is the Global Action Plan or Physical Activity, or GAPA, as we so often hear it. Well, thank you. The Global Action Plan is really a roadmap now of how countries can promote physical activity. It was requested back last year when countries were asking for more up-to-date, evidence-based guidance on how they should implement the policies and programs to create a more active society. And we hadn't at WHO got more recent information. So they asked us to develop a new global action plan, which is what we've done over the last 12 months and just launched it last week. And congratulations on the launch. If you're on Twitter, I'm sure many people saw the coverage of it. Um, And speaking about the action plan itself, how was it developed? Well, the process involved a lot of consultation. Initially, we had an expert group meeting, which involved a lot of different sectors. One of the things from the outset was very clear we needed to involve all of the groups of people, the stakeholders, that could be involved in contributing good ideas and involved in implementing the action plan in countries and around the world. So the expert meeting involved research community, of course, but also practitioners from urban designers, transport planners, the sports sector, sports industry, um, the health sector, physios, uh, medicos and um, education sector. Hearing from those sectors about their role, their challenges, their recommendations. We then complemented that expert meeting with a series of face-to-face consultations in the regions where ministries of health from the countries in each of the regions got together with us over two or three days And we really went through all the details of what needed to be in a global action plan. And it had to be relevant to all countries. So all the ideas kept snowballing and gathering and were reviewed and considered by the next group that met um, to discuss this. And finally, there was an online open consultation. So um, everyone could have an opportunity to download and contribute comments via the online uh, email and submission process. And throughout last summer, we were doing webinars and giving uh, short uh, presentations to make sure as many people as possible knew about it. I think we did quite well because we got over 122 online submissions. 85 countries were involved from the ministries of health, sport or education. And of course, lots of the stakeholders in the capacity of individuals, research groups or um, uh, associations and societies like the sports medicines, the the, uh, uh, global uh, representative organizations for physiotherapy um, and nursing. So really great reaction and great contributions. And we all know that physical inactivity is a very big problem, but why is this global action plan needed? How is it different from, say, the seven investments that stem from the Toronto Charter for physical activity? Well, the importance of this document is it's um, auspiced as a WHO policy document. It's gone through the full governance consensus process and now fully endorsed at the World Health Assembly, the um, ultimate body of decision making and policy making of the world health uh, of the health global health community. So it, it's different and, of course, complements the sorts of things like 
the seven investments and the Toronto Charter and the Bangkok Declaration, which were driven from outside of a government formal process, but had value because, of course, they were really getting more and more information out there on the science. And let's remind ourselves, the science is so strong about the benefits of being regularly active. And we needed to get that science into up-to-date policy so countries can work from the same song sheet, if you like, the same template as to what they should do, what they should ask for, and, and how they should promote physical activity in their countries. So this is the government version, the inter- international government version. And with that, it brings quite a bit of influence, and, but needs now to be owned by everyone and disseminated by everyone. And the overall goal or mission of this action plan is what exactly? Well, we've set a goal for what we want to achieve, if you like, the outcome, and that is a 15% reduction in physical inactivity by 2030. And that complements the current target that was set for a 10% reduction by 2025. That was the first goal set for physical activity back in 2011 when we had a very major meeting on NCDs and started to recognize the enormous burden that heart disease, cancers, diabetes have on society, much of which is preventable, certainly under the age of 70. So two targets now, 10 percent by 2025. 15% by 2030. But how are we going to get there is described in the mission, which is really calling on all countries to provide the safe, accessible and supportive environments and the opportunities and access to programs and ways of being active. And the two combined really are the pillars because it's about the places and it's about the opportunities and programs. And we've all got a part to play in those two areas. All countries, though, aren't really starting from the same starting point. And so uh, the WHO already recognized countries that perhaps are ahead of others in achieving the goal or mission. Absolutely. We know that the context in which the global action plan is going to be adopted and and implemented absolutely vary from uh, country to country, within countries, and of course then between countries around the world. Uh, We know we've got some front-runner countries which have been doing a lot of work in physical activity. Certainly countries in Scandinavia and across Europe have shown leadership in um, developing this area, implementing good programs, good policies, and have got the engagement of a lot of sectors like the sports medicine, physios, health, allied health, as well as working with sport and transport. However, when we look at some of the other regions, um, particularly in the South Americas, in the Caribbean, in in Asia, um, and, and the West Pacific areas, they're a little further behind on many, but not all of those areas. And they'll be starting from a lower sort of starting point of how do we start those discussions and programs with these different sectors? And even some countries are further behind. Why should we? Is it important? So some of those countries will be looking to use this global action plan as a new advocacy tool to raise the community awareness and understanding of the importance of physical activity, as well as professional and policymakers understanding this is really important for health, but also for sustainable development in societies. And of course, you know, your audience here knows very well lifestyles are changing. We are more and more sedentary, driving more, sitting more, more sedentary in all gadgets, which are now mechanized and take away food, you know, We hardly have to move in a daily lifestyle in many 
certainly Western countries. So the drivers of our inactivity problem are substantial and now occurring worldwide. And this is a real call to action to implement from wherever you're starting as a country, the recommended actions tailored to your context. We've also recently seen the World Health Assembly and now the international launch of the Global Action Plan. What's the buy-in been like from these different countries? Well, the support has been tremendous, um, certainly from the World Health Assembly on the um, passing or full endorsement of the action plan is a major achievement. And the comments that each country who made um, interventions on the uh, on the agenda item uh, fully uh, uh, conveyed their conviction, their welcoming of this as being very timely. Uh, physical activity has often been considered a neglected risk factor, an area of importance that just not receiving enough attention and policy making and, and policy uh, discussion. So uh, it was well received by the countries. And of course, I mentioned um, endorsed with recommendations of now and requests for now helping countries to implement with capacity building, training, tools and a, and a bunch of other things. But um, also beyond the health assembly the community and the stakeholders, their their reaction has been very strong. Immediate coverage in websites and, of course, like um, the British Journal of Sports Medicine and other sports, sporting uh, sports medicine associations have really picked up and communicated it through to their audiences. Um, and now we're looking at the next phase. Now we know about it. Let's make sure we really understand and start to support implementation. So I'm really pleased you mentioned social media earlier. Of course, there's been a huge coverage in the week of the launch. Um, I think people are uh, demonstrating and circulating within their networks, uh, both our launch video, but also the key messages of the, uh, of the action plan itself. The action plan talks about four key areas or strategic objectives. Would you be able to explain them a little bit for our listeners? Sure. I mentioned two of them earlier in terms of um, creating the uh, spaces and places. And it speaks to the action of creating active environments, as it's called. And this is about looking at the environments where we're trying to promote people to walk, cycle, access sporting and recreation opportunities, and even play for, for young children and older persons. So um, this is about the urban design, the transport sector, looking at promoting walking and cycling, non-motorised um, uh, modes of travel, to which we need the infrastructure, connected, safe cycleways, uh, good footpaths so that we are safe from traffic, um, fair access to you know, crossing roads, and then the distances between the venues and places we're trying to reach. If we design for the car, of course we drive, and we're really calling through this action plan to design for people and remember walking and cycling are valuable modes of transport and green space in our cities and communities is valuable um, for both activity but good for mental health good for the environment good for ecosystems so that's one of the four active environments i spoke to the second earlier which was the um, active people which speaks to the opportunities and we're well aware that there's inequities in the access to programs. Often they need to um, have subscription fees or you need some resources to be able to pay and join in. Also, even the provision of them. Often there's more in affluent areas and we neglect to provide appropriate um, programs for different uh, communities. We know there's differences in participation by girls, by women, 
um, by some ethnic groups and older persons and persons with disabilities. So this um, particular strategy area is about looking at how we can provide programs that are attractive, affordable and accessible for uh, all people of all ages and abilities. The other two areas um, top and tail this, if you like, and we've got to um, address the knowledge base and the understanding about how important physical activity is in our daily lives. You know, we were designed to move and not be sedentary. And as um, the animals we are, we have to actually move daily to keep our body in good health and our minds in good health. And we've neglected that. And so some communities will need to start for the first time public communication campaigns. Other communities have been doing some of them, but perhaps too sporadically and not sustained. But we also got to influence those sectors that we want to partner with and for which there are benefits. So I've mentioned several times now the transport sector um, and the urban design area. But there are huge benefits if we actually come together and design the cities and communities, saving on fossil fuel use, improvement of air quality and other sorts of benefits like this, even even the economy, but economic benefits from retail that foot and cycle traffic can bring. So we need to actually do a lot of communication in creative ways, using new technologies, and shift the paradigm that activity is important, it's a priority, it's the default choice. And lastly, the fourth area, we called it the active systems, and it's where we put together those fundamental elements that will enable all of the, the first three to happen. We need good data, so surveillance of participation in physical activity across all age groups, good uh, evaluation of programs to know whether they're working or not, good policies. Some countries don't have an action plan. They don't know what they should do. We need to create the documents so that governments are guided and stakeholders are engaged in a common plan for each country. And of course, we need advocacy, which is often an activity outside of government, but that can motivate and bring leadership. And that's another element. So the active systems, the fourth pillar of the um, action plan, is a grouping of the things that we need to do to enable, mobilize resources, people, capacity to, to deliver the first three. And they all collectively form the um, four areas which are relevant and feasible and necessary in each country. And just to recap for our listeners, that was active environments, active people, active society and active systems, right? Correct, correct. Okay. And within those four strategic objectives or key areas, the plan, the action plan also lists 20 policy options for countries. 20 seems like uh, you know, quite a large number. How would a country know where to start? Well, this is a difficulty in the sense that there were 20 and there's no denying that that's a large number. But that's the reality of this area where there are a number of ways to be active. So when you're talking about um, in schools, better quality physical education, in the communities having access to green space and parks and in the, all communities having good cycleways, they're very different. And it's the combination of all of these things that will actually make a huge difference and probably a multipli multiplier effect um, in if, if, a, if a community in a country um, puts them all in place. And they were reflective of the entire set of, of recommendations that we gained from all the consultation process I outlined. Packaging them in the four areas, we think, makes them a little bit more accessible. Uh, and so the 20 are spread across the four 
uh, strategic objectives um, we've just discussed. And then within those, each country needs to identify what they're already doing and what they could improve and what they're not doing and they should start. And what we've recommended in the action plan is that countries look at a sort of two to three year time frame, a five to seven year time frame, and then the 10 to 12 year time frame. So it does depend where you are in the country and the context, what you're already doing, and what are your low hanging fruit, the best buys that you should implement soon, and then what are somewhat more difficult, either because they cost, they're more complex, or they're just going to take longer to do, building new cycleways, for one example. Um, but you can plan on those and work towards them. So I think and hope that we have presented this in a way and further training and tools will help reinforce this, that it is a, 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 a 20 uh, actions where countries should assess and then be strategic, prioritize and incrementally increase their activity in partnership with stakeholders to make it manageable and feasible. Professor Ball, you've spoken also about the role of physiotherapists or the sports medicine community. Does the action plan speak directly to those individuals, to the healthcare professional? Absolutely. And there's one key area, and it's uh, an important area because not only is it uh, one of the 20 policies that we've just outlined, but it's also been previously identified as a um, an important best buy by WHO that we need to integrate the um, assessment, counselling and reinforcement of physical activity as part of primary and secondary care services. So just like we have a uh, almost normalised standard to uh, talk to patients about smoking, we need to move and make physical activity um, one of those uh, vital or important things that we um, include in our interactions with patients in all contexts where relevant. And so the role of sports medicines and other allied health providers and health professionals is critical. And it really opens up several agendas, one of which is, is there adequate training going on in the courses, the pre-service courses? And I think many countries um, would recognise in their own assessment, we can do much better in medical training and we can do much better in specialist training um, across the board in different uh, health areas. And then what about in-service, the, the current staff um, who want to have more skills, confidence and, and resources to be able to do this um, policy action? And then we actually have to have it not just a committed um, doctor, sports med, um, physician and, and uh, active nurse doing this. We want it to actually to be part of the healthcare system. So that the databases that are used, patient assessment is recorded, patient Arms are asked on follow-up uh, uh, consultations, and then they're recommended and supported in their efforts to change behaviour. And we know that's hard, and we know we, we have to repeat and follow up and reinforce. So even across this one policy area, there is a number of dimensions that we have to work on. The really good news is there's examples of countries who are leading the way and doing this, not just research projects, at scale in countries. We want to learn from those, share the elements of success and provide a platform of, of options for other countries who say, we want to do that. How do we do it? And that's one of those tools I was referring to. And we're looking forward to putting that as one of our first tools that we'll be developing this year. When you talk about sharing, do you mean the WHO will be sharing different resources? WHO is going to um, start the process of um, developing 
resources to help ministries of health and stakeholders in all countries to know how to implement the Physical Activity Global Action Plan. And we're looking uh, forward to partnering with a lot of agencies, stakeholders and sectors in developing those resources so they can build on the best practice, knowledge and expertise. So, um, as I mentioned, in this area of primary and secondary care, um, we're looking forward to partnering and working and then disseminating these tools out through through the networks, making sure we've learnt from the very best practice that's underway already um, and then available from WHO and through partner networks. Um, of course, as a public good, these would be free resources. Fantastic. And just before we wrap this up, how can our listeners follow the progress of the Global Action Plan on Twitter or where can they go to find more? Well, we've created a new website to really help um, focus uh, everyone who wants to find out more, uh, the one place to go. And it's our new website on um, the WHO uh, platform. And so come to WHO uh, website. And if you Google uh, Let's Be Active, you'll find our uh, our new website. On that page, you've got the uh, access to some of the resources which are downloadable now in English. And we'll be translating those into um, other languages just as soon as we, we can. You can also engage with us over the social media and that's through the hashtag, um, hashtag be active. And lastly, of course, there's the uh, new email account that you can uh, keep in touch with us and send us suggestions and ideas. And that's let's be active at who.int. And for all our listeners, don't worry, we'll be able to put links to all of those in the show notes. Professor Ball, as always, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you very much for the opportunity, and I look forward to working with you and uh, all of your interested uh, listeners. You've been listening to a BJSM podcast with Professor Fiona Ball and Daniel Friedman. You can follow BJSM and stay up to date via the usual social media channels, or download the BJSM app where you can find more podcasts, our latest articles, and other content. As always, we hope you have a physically active day.